Good afternoon, everybody, or morning, or whatever time it is in your universe that you're listening to this. Um, my name is Michael Oberst, and today um, you are listening to This is the Pits. This is the Pits is a podcast in which we are watching every single Brad Pitt movie in chronological order. And today is a very special day because we have gone out of our chronology. Yeah. Chronology. Chronology. Yeah. To watch. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. It is currently out in theaters. It's going to throw our whole our whole formula out the window and I couldn't be more excited people are about it. people are going to be so pissed. We, we might lose some listeners because we're going out of order. <laughs> and I get that. And I hope you'll come back because the other, the thing is, is like, since we do this podcast, we both experience a lot of people always telling us everything about Brad Pitt anytime, all the time, which I love. Constantly. I love it. Couldn't love it more. Like, I'm so happy with my new job as a Brad Pitt expert. Um, But there's no way that we can not watch this Brad Pitt movie that's out in theaters right now. We just can't do it. Um... So that being said, I'd love to just start before we hop into the movie of the experience of seeing a Brad Pitt movie, having done this is now oh my our thirty ninth episode. I'm so glad you're saying that because I thought I was thinking the same thing. Were you when you were in the theater? Were you just thinking like, holy uh, shit, look at him go, look at giddy as all hell. It's so weird. And when he came out with the character that he plays, I was like, I honestly. I know I say this a lot. I genuinely feel like I know him. <laughs> so know. strange. It's so, it's unwarranted. <laughs> but it's true. It is unwarranted. It is unnecessary. It is, I can't tell if I'm like a creepy fangirl at this point. I don't know, but I was thinking, you know how before we used to always say, just to be clear, we are not Brad Pitt fans. I'm oh, a full-blown I'm a Brad Pitt fan. It's like, biggest, now I'm sure. I actually can't think of anybody else that I'm as big as <laughs> So maybe that's what happens when you watch a whole career unfold before your eyes. And, like, also doing research for this one, it's all current. You know, normally we talk about what Brad Pitt's doing in his life and how he is in the media. And it's like he's gone from being this, like, pop icon that also was a huge gossip following to just, like, being a well-respected actor right before our eyes. And And I've never respected him more than I I respected him in this role. The way that I thought of Brad Pitt, I guess, like, growing up and, like, sort of what inspired me to, like, want to start this podcast with you is just that the way we viewed him was one way, but, like, now that this movie is out, I'm kind of seeing how... I think you sort of just said this, and I'm just rephrasing it, but I'm kind of seeing how the rest of the world views him currently, as opposed to... Yeah. Like, how we've been talking about him. It's like, now we're seeing... What it's like, and everyone loves him. Everyone loves Brad Pitt. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, everybody loves him. But not only that, but, like, his career, I don't know. It's like his career has become, like, well-rounded. And yes, we've been, we've ex- been experiencing him through the years. So, like, I've been looking at, you know, 2006 Brad Pitt or 1998 Brad Pitt or whatever. So it's so fun to watch current Brad Pitt, like, in interviews and not knowing anything about his love life or sex life or pop culture or anything like that. He's just fucking making good shit and keeping his personal life out of it. He's like, well, in this particular role, like, his fucking relatively old, slightly 
weathered look. Oh man, it's oh, too much. Oh my god, it's too <laughs> fucking much. Can we talk really quickly about how like excited you were when I sent you that video about um, uh, Nick, Nick Kroll, Kroll on Jimmy Kimmel? Talking about mm-hmm. how Brad Pitt crashed his birthday party and just showed up. Did you oh get God. a little bit giddy, kind of thinking, like, what if Brad Pitt crashes my birthday party? I tweeted about it. I literally said, all I want in the world is for Brad Pitt. I just need to meet him. And it would be it great to meet like him on... It would be great nature. to meet him on on home turf. You know what I mean? Ex- exactly. It feels like inviting yeah. your, your, like your third grade teacher to your birthday party and be like, you like, know she's not going to come, but like you invite her. Cause you're like, how cool. I mean, like imagine if the teacher, like how fucking cool would that be? Ew, never. Like, I'd back when you think- rather die than have a teacher at my birthday party. That's the kind of kid I was when you were a little kid. Oh my God. Uh, when I was a little never kid, liked I thought my the teachers. teachers were so cool. It no, wasn't I was until I was like them. in fifth grade that I started to be like, Oh, teachers are not cool. And then I didn't like teachers. I never liked teachers because teachers never liked me. <laughs> Uh, well, guess who was good at school? I was good. I was good at playing the game, you know? School no. was like my... I'm my still not good like, at playing that's, the game. That was home turf. I hate um, rules. <laughs> okay. You know who else hates rules? Brad Pitt in this movie. But you know what? Oh, man. Okay. Let's take a pause. Okay. We're sitting in the theater... It's current day. We're about to see Brad Pitt on the screen for the first time since we started this podcast. I'm feeling all sorts of emotions. I'm, yes, you know, I'm on the fence about Tarantino outside of his work. Generally, as a director, I love him. I love every movie he's made, but I feel a little bit nervous about what I'm going to say because this is Tarantino. And I just want to pause and say that I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed all three hours of this movie. I I love that for you, first of all. I'm so glad that I, you did. I want to I, know, know about you. I will say I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed about two and a half hours of this movie. I think this movie could have been shortened by about 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. But, There's one scene I would have cut out. There's only one. Which one? Playboy Mansion. Oh, yeah. That totally could have gone. Did not need that. <laughs> No. I like forgot about that scene. It was, it was almost, almost just like, like it was like a high school film. Was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, the thing is, so much of this movie is really just like like sixties and seventies nostalgia of Hollywood. And I, so I get why it was so long winded because like there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with that premise. Um, but like, truly, Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt's storyline was the most interesting one. The, the failing. The failing star thing with um, Leo was was Rick. It was good. It was good. It was just long. Like I didn't need that much of it. Um, See, I it was sort of this thing where I like really reveled. I get, I get the same way with Paul Thomas Anderson, in that I really love to sit in their scenes. Like I love to sit. Oh yeah. Like yes. You know what I mean? Like most of the time and listeners of this podcast 100%. know I usually cannot sit. I don't like long scenes. Like Killing Them Softly last week was a great example where it's like I don't care how well this is written. I'm not going to sit here mm-hmm. watching two people talk. I felt like right. I wanted to revel in all of the longness because I feel like he was handing us this like soup of a movie and like wanting us to savor every bite of it. You know, I don't know. And I felt like I was down to savor it. That being said, 
also I like it was the middle of the day. I was by myself. I was like really indulging in movie oh my God. watching, watching in a, general. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I I have to say, seeing this movie by myself was mm. great because I wouldn't didn't have it any have other way. About, no, because I didn't have to. I wasn't distracted by having a person with me and like sort of like you know you're always kind of peripherally wondering how the other person is enjoying it. Exactly um, right. I always prefer yeah, to see I, a movie by myself in the middle of the day. Always, no matter what. Can I tell you the conditions for how I saw it? It was 4 p.m. Yeah. I rode to the movie theater called the Cinerama in Hollywood, which, which was is in, the, in movie. the movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's a shot of the theater that I saw it in in the movie because it's an old dome theater. And I also I saw it on 70 millimeter, which was... I don't know how many theaters in America are doing that. A lot are doing 35 but like I saw seeing it in seventy, seeing it in seventy gave me one more thing to be pretentious about, and so I was <laughs> really into that. Um, quick fun fact: so the other reason I think why I really like this movie is because I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, and oh, yeah. it's just like the movie itself is an homage to Hollywood, but also to LA. Like Cliff lives in the Valley, which is where I was born and raised. They go to Casa Vega at the end of the movie. That is yeah. literally not even a quarter of a mile from my house. It's like... Dang. So it was just like... It was like watching home, and I could tell that Quentin Tarantino, it was sort of... And this was something I read in the reviews. Is everybody was like, it's almost like... A, I read this in three different reviews. It's a valentine to, to Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and it is. is. I mean... But it's, it is. It's a cheesy way to put so, it, but it is. It is, it is, and I and and that's part of the reason why I really loved it because I am living in New York now and it's hot and disgusting and I and I've really been missing LA and so it was like nice to kind of like go into a cool place on a hot disgusting day and just like take yeah. in a movie and like reminisce about my hometown, you know? Yeah, and uh, the the Sharon Sharon Tate's house is in um, Los Feliz, which by the way it recently went up for sale. Um, mm the house that the, those murders happened in. And in the real estate listing, they did not mention that that's where those murders happened. Which is stupid because obviously some crazy person's going to want to buy the whole thing. But nobody right? who has that much money, it's, it's like a $4 million home and that's below market value. Like yeah. they, they took some money off of it and then they put it up for sale and did like, did I call it like a, like a cute little... Like a small, comfortable villa in the Los Feliz Hills, um, which is like right in my neighborhood. But uh, anyway, so I guess since it is currently 2019, we don't really have to like, we don't have to set the stage for ourselves, but we, it might be a good idea to give some context for the future listeners in case anyone does like a retrospective look at this. You, you know, know I was I mean? thinking about that. I was like, it, I don't, I was thinking about it, and I feel like, let's just do three sentences that 2019 represents <laughs> to us, right? Let's just do, like, real stream of consciousness, you do one, I do one, you do one, I do one, and then let's call that 2019. My okay. first thing is, Donald Trump is president. <laughs> it's impossible to not think that. My first thing yeah. is, um, white people keep shooting up places people white people keep getting guns and shooting things and it is very depressing um yep 
Uh, that's pretty much my, those are my first two. That's those are the, the two biggies. Yeah. <laughs> so well, well, let me ask you this question. So what's let's a, think what's of a, one positive each. Well, I was going to say first, what's a movie that you've seen this year that you've liked that's not this? In, the, in, in theaters in the or theaters? just new? Or maybe it's a new movie on Netflix or something that you really liked. Um, I can tell you a movie that I didn't like, but that's besides the point. Well, start with what that. Is... Just get it out of your head. The last movie I went to see in theaters was yesterday. Oh, that um, was not good. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted to cry because he did About Time, Richard Curtis. Uh, yeah. But it, and that movie slays me you know give me a notebook give me an about time any day of the week i was hoping for that again middle of the afternoon hot summer day taking myself to a little respite for a rom-com and i (laughs) scoffed the entire time (laughs) oh no what else came out this year though that's good though what did you see that you liked well i did just watch this movie called the farewell um which is amazing it is very very good Oh, and Toy Story 4 yeah. came out this year. Also super good. Um, I can tell oh, you a Booksmart. show I like. It's called... Oh, I hear that's great. Booksmart came out. This is also super good. So I'm going to go with Booksmart and The Farewell, my two favorite movies so far from this year. I just finished Euphoria, and I've, I'm midway through years and years, both on HBO. Euphoria. Both great. Euphoria. <laughs> what? This what is not Euphoria? Brad Pitt related. I no, it's not, but we're talking to we're t- No, we're talking about 2019. It's okay. Okay, so that's 2019. What do we think is going on in Brad Pitt's life? Because again, normally I'm reading contextual things like in the life of this podcast before we slotted in current day, he was still married to Angelina and just about to get married to her. But I find it really interesting that we don't know anything at all about Brad Pitt's life. Right now, I mean, if you look at the tabloids, right now, apparently, he is uh, remarried Jennifer Aniston, and they are pregnant with their first baby. That is what <laughs> that is what the tabloids say. I'm not kidding you. They all say <laughs> it's like common knowledge that they are married again, and they have a child on the way. <laughs> and so, cut to 2001. <laughs> I know. It's so, Gosh. It's so, I mean, I guess it, it's possible that it's true. But I just highly doubt that it's true. I really, truly highly doubt it. I mean, he did go to her birthday party this year. <laughs> so if that tells you anything. So, what? I just, it's so silly. <laughs> I mean, oh, apparently Brad Pitt loves say, going to birthday parties. That's what we know about him of this year is that he's gone to two oh, birthday oh. parties. <laughs> I hope at some point in my life I'm well-respected slash well-famous slash rich enough that Brad Pitt comes to my birthday party. Same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope, I'm hoping that, um, like, that's all I want. Yeah. Also, uh, so I did, I watched a few interviews about this. Uh, obviously, there's not as much, like, research to be done because it's still in theaters. But the one glimmer I got about his current life is that um, Harry Smith from Good Morning America or the Today Show or one of those, I forget, asks Margot Robbie, Leonardo DiCaprio, Quentin Tarantino, and Brad Pitt, if he could choose one of them to be in his next life, who would he be? And everybody was so humble and blah, 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 blah. And Brad Pitt goes, well, I shine up well on the outside, but inside it's a little bit dicey. Oh. I said to myself, 
I said to myself, Brad, I think Brad's depressed. And I think he needs me to come fix him. Know what I mean? Um, okay. Uh, you know, he might be. I feel like he's in his twilight years like Rick. And he's like worried. He's not worried about his career, but he's like, what, it, what is life? And what does it mean to be alive? You know, I, I think the same thing, but I think you and I are similar because I was, um, I was talking to my therapist recently and she said that I have fixer syndrome sometimes where I see somebody who has a problem and I just want to get into their life and I just want to fix their, fix their problems, even though it's not my job mm. or, or my business and it's not something that I can even have an effect on. And so when I see Brad Pitt struggling... <laughs> I do also want to jump in and fix, but I, I just have to tell myself, no, 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 that's my fixer syndrome and we're working on that. <laughs> but you see, this is a nice segue into the movie because okay. for me, when you see Rick played by Leonardo DiCaprio, he is struggling with the, the twilight years of his career. He's clearly an alcoholic. He has this best friend, Cliff, who's played yes. by Brad Pitt, who is like, Chill as fuck, powerful as fuck, family, also employee, also coworker, and Brad Pitt doesn't ever try to fix anything, but his sheer presence of just being there and listening to his friend gets him through the night. You know what I mean? It is so. They're the such night. good friends. So you actually brushed their on this chemistry. Before. Yeah. What about their chemistry? It's just my, my favorite part of the movie was watching Brad Pitt, watching Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio together, knowing they've never been in a movie together. It was sort of like Brad Pitt and like George Clooney in the Oceans movies. It was like undeniable chemistry between the two of them. Like I really, really yeah. believed their love for each other. And like also watching the interviews, they really, I feel like they're really true friends now. And they're both, yeah. and this is another thing I keep reading, they're both that, like, last of the real Hollywood stars, like the real star, which is why we started this podcast, is that Brad which Pitt is, is why, one of those last. And I think it's, it's I mean, Quentin Tarantino's very good at casting movies, which is, mm. I think, a skill that is underappreciated sometimes in general. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And... I think that's why those two are perfect for these roles because because they are they both do have that like inexplicable star quality that they bring to this movie that is is perfect for the characters that they're playing. Um, right, and they're all and it is set in Hollywood, so there's this weird like double. I don't know. It's like watching two of the most famous actors ever play washed up actors. And do it so well. That was the other thing, though. Oh, well, no, no. I'm sorry. I feel like I keep just, like, waxing on about about it. But watching Leonardo DiCaprio break down, which was the only ad-libbed scene. Oh, yeah. Did you read that? Yeah, I did. That his, the scene where he was in the so, trailer and throwing stuff around, that was totally ad-libbed. Yeah. It was so... I don't know. I just really thought it was brilliant. I loved watching it. Yeah. Um, I was like really indulging in it. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is before when you sort of brushed on like how you like just settling into a scene, I think that this movie is unlike other Quentin Tarantino movies because you're forced to settle into it. 
You can't. It's not. Yeah. It's not like all of his movies have like a goal or like they're all pushing towards some big heist or fight scene or something. Something's happening. Everything's coming to a head at one point. That never really happens at this movie. It's it's sort of just kind of like these two dudes dealing with their own shit and like it's a day in the life through their day to day and then like something like they do sort of happen upon a situation and then something does end up happening toward the end which is really good and interesting and i liked but i i liked like once i realized kind of what was happening and like how we weren't gonna get like a strong like you know like tarantino feeling yeah like a tarantino-y like Bam, bam, boom, kind of thing. That wasn't really coming, and you kind of just sit, settle in and just a like, jittery chill. feeling is the right way to say it. Yeah, jittery feeling is the right way to say it because it's like I feel like every Quentin Tarantino movie makes you feel like a little bit icky throughout the whole time. The word I kept saying over and over in my head when I was watching it, this is like it's completely charming. <laughs> just not a word you would use yeah. to describe Tarantino. I just kept saying generally, like wow. <laughs> I just kept being like, oh, how charming, like. From the way he, like, Margot Robbie portrays Sharon Tate and, like, the way that there's nothing, even when, like, the two boys break up at the end when they when they come back from Italy, like, there's nothing sinister about anything about the characters that you are involved in. Yeah. Or involved with. Yeah. they Like you just said, like, they just happen upon this, like, sinister shit and then we get some classic Tarantino and instead of it being like, oh, this is so gratuitous, oh, I want to, like, I hate this, like, I often too with him i was like okay i get it like i've removed myself from reality here just like he wants me to it's a movie anything could happen in movies anything could happen in hollywood and i was like there for it you know right right yeah i i um i just felt like once you just like chill and you just like sit there and then you enjoy it it's like so so good and yeah. so i will say I remember Adam last yeah. week Adam Scott was saying how there's one moment in the movie where everyone gasps and he was not fucking kidding. Everyone gasped when Brad Pitt took his shirt off. There was a a hush fell over the crowd when Brad took his shirt Same. off and it was Same like, in my theater. <laughs> including myself. I was like I both my hands went over my mouth and I was like <laughs> He looks so oh good. Oh my god, but also that whole he looks so good. He's aging beautifully. Also, that whole sequence was amazing. I loved that probably, throwback. That was probably like, my favorite scene cut, from the whole movie. The Bruce Lee moment? The Bruce Lee moment. Um, it, well, just the whole sequence from the part where he goes up on the roof and he takes his shirt off. And, like, I could watch a scene where Brad Pitt just walks up on a roof and takes his shirt off and, like, fixes the roof. Like, that alone right. is, like, a cool... That's a good-looking scene. It looks good. It's cool. He's smoking cigarettes. He's got beers in his belt. And then he starts reminiscing in his brain, thinking about why no one will hire him anymore. And it's A, because he's an asshole on set and he goes around and fights like the stars. And B, he might have probably killed his wife. <laughs> and they, I love the way, like, after that scene, I, you sit there thinking in it. There's just a lot of stewing. You sit there and you're like, wait a minute, did he kill his wife? And then you're like, for, at least I did. I was like, oh yeah, he killed his wife. <laughs> you know? Because yeah, because then the after thing about he was his like, character. Yeah, and like, but his whole character, like who this guy is, is someone who loves his dog. The dog's really cute. He's really fucking chill. He said in one interview, he's a no hassle in the castle kind of a guy. Oh God, that's a Debbie Brubaker. But then he's just like, uh huh, yeah, exactly. 
he um but then also like one little click of the teeth and his dog's a murderer and like one little say one fucking thing and i'll and i'll kill you like he's he's like a tripwire killer but not in a aggressive way he's it, just seems, like, eh, it seems it seems like he's so calm and confident because he knows that any room he walks into he could kick anybody's ass in that room but he's choosing yeah. not to so he's just like this calm yeah. confidence but like this swagger and the other thing that somebody pointed out in one of the reviews is that just because we're seeing brad pitt's memories that way doesn't necessarily mean that's how they happened yeah. Like, we're seeing it from his but perspective. So he might have been more of an asshole, and he's just seeing himself as this, like, cool dude. So, like, that's what we're getting. But he's actually maybe more of an asshole. We don't really know. What matters is that we sure, buy into I wanna this fantasy. I want to see him as exactly right. Yeah. I want to see him be that cool asshole. Because, again, with a Tarantino movie like Inglorious Bastards or this one, you really have to – and Tarantino says this all the time. He says – a movie is a playground for you to remake reality. So we should remake reality. So like in the same way that Brad does in that memory, it's like, who cares about that? You just want to see like that cool guy. Yeah. You want to see the way that it was written. Um, and I just, I also, oh, sorry. Go no, on. I wasn't going to say anything really important. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say with, with Leonardo DiCaprio's character, you kind of expect him to be, like a shitty fucking guy. Right. Because everybody who's bitter about the end of their career, you want them to be shitty mm-hmm. and like mean. Mm-hmm. But he's actually not at all. He's lovely. And that's what I mean when I say the word charming, where it's like, this guy's an alcoholic. He's really insecure. But he can fucking act. Like he's actually good at his job. You just don't expect that from that kind of a character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. And so and Leonardo DiCaprio that. said that too in interviews is that that the character that he was playing, the real Rick Dalton, was a good actor and it was hard for Leo because he felt it was hard for him to play an actor who was struggling but was a good actor. You right. know? And so he was having totally. a little bit of trouble finding that balance, which is why he like improv that scene where he was like screaming and yelling in the trailer, just because he felt like it was he was frustrated, like he felt a lot of frustration from that character, and, and he thought it would fit, and it did. I think it fit really well. Um, I I really really loved that moment, and I was really happy to see that that was the only improvised thing because, or not. I mean, I guess I didn't really have an opinion whether or not on it on it being improvised. Yeah, I just really loved it. Um, and I loved, I so, didn't, did you know anything about this movie before you walked into it? Well, that's the thing is like, I didn't really, but like I came out of it knowing about the same amount. Like actually, I, no, 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 that's not true. I came out of it knowing, I came out of it, I don't know how to say the words in my brain, but I wasn't wrong basically going into it. I didn't know much about it. But like when I after I saw the movie, I was like, oh yeah. But what I did know about it is basically what it's about, which is it's just like a '70s nostalgia movie, and there's some like Manson murder stuff in there. And I was like, I had no idea about the Manson murder thing. It took me a really long time to catch on to what I was watching, (laughs) like a shockingly long time to realize everything that was going on. Oh, and like the hippies. I mean, Brad Pitt. Punching hippies is just so pleasurable. It's just like 
Every time Brad Pitt punches anyone is pleasurable. Also, when he turns down the sex offer. From the child? I mean, I was highly uncomfortable because I was like, but is there a chance that he's not going to turn this down? Because That's what I'm saying. There's all these characters. This is like a sleazy... Okay, in, there's one world in which this is an ex, a very, very attractive, ex-successful stuntman. There's a movie in which he's a piece of shit who says, okay, I could use a blowjob. You never know. Because the way that Tarantino sets it up is like you see him ogling this chick. So yeah. I assumed he was going to say yes. But then he was nice and he just wanted to look after his old friend. You know? Well, yeah, he sort of, yeah. And his old friend who was supposed to be played um, I know. by, who was it? I forget now. Uh, by the guy with the mustache. Oh, Burt Reynolds. You that's know. right. Burt Reynolds. You know, fun fact, my Aunt Judy boned Burt Reynolds. Oh, that's a, that is a fun and fact. She also, she also boned Darth Vader. Well, he was wearing the costume. Not while he was wearing the costume, and he she also boned Adam West. Dang, she really. <laughs> <laughs> she had a, a thrice upon a time in Hollywood, huh? She had a thrice upon a time and probably countless more. She was a true Hollywood. She would have fucking loved this movie. This was her shit, man. Anyway. Uh, well, now she's dead, and now um, she's um, fucking all of the all those guys I, um, in heaven. I assume. That's right. Well, and speaking of death, while we're on the subject of death, this was Luke Perry's last movie. I know. Because Tra- he tragically died. When he came on. Yeah. Yeah, he had like a horrible stroke. When he came on the screen and he did such a good job, I said, oh, man, that's tough. It's so weird to see movies posthumously, you know? I know. Especially People when it's like a new movie and that, that person just died and you're like, wow, that, that dude's dead. Um, yeah. So I would like to congratulate Quentin Tarantino for not using the N-word once. Um, Mm. Also for not doing... Actually, you know what? He doesn't need to be congratulated for that. It's honestly... It's like (laughs) fucking finally you don't... You figure out how to make a movie without doing that. And also without doing chapters, uh, which I I hate. I don't know why I hate it, but I don't like when he does the chapter thing. Um, Mm. Also... Uh, should we talk about the little controversy surrounding the Bruce Lee character? Oh, I didn't know there was a controversy. Please go. Oh, well, basically, uh, Bruce Lee's daughter and a lot of Asian American friends I have, um, are not happy because the portrayal of Bruce Lee and all Asians in all Quentin Tarantino movies is that their only function is, uh, martial arts. Um, and they, they never have any depth. They're all just like kung fu masters. And like that's kind of all they do. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm reading a book about that right now. And, in, and it's true. Representation for Asian Americans is like across the board fucking bullshit. Oh, yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's like. But I, I will yeah. say not, not necessarily in defense of Quentin Tarantino, but like I think in his mind, he is thinking that like he loves he's a big, big movie nerd and he loves old Kung Fu yeah. movies. And so I think he's thinking that when he puts an Asian American character in a movie or, or actually no, when he wants to do an homage to a Kung Fu movie, he naturally just gets an Asian person, but he just doesn't write any Asian characters into his movies because he just doesn't. 
He should, but he doesn't. But but also, what would that? But he did, and what would the alternative Bruce Lee be like? Well, it would. I don't know. It, he, I think it just would. Why did he have to fight Bruce Lee specifically? Like, why couldn't he have fought like any like Chuck Norris or something? You know, like it's just like. I think you're right, though. No, I think it's an homage to Kung Fu. It, it totally like, is. And that's, that's Quentin Tarantino's But the whole reasoning. movie, I mean, the movie, everything about the movie is an homage. I mean, it's literally called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a direct homage to Once Upon a Time in the West, which is a direct, you know, it's like, it's all, I don't know. I feel like... This movie just in general is very movies, white. And, and that is something that Quentin Tarantino yes. cannot not do. It is extremely do. white. It's like... That's 100%. If there is a non-white person in a Quentin Tarantino movie... It's going to be Samuel L. Jackson, and he's going to say the N-word a lot of times. And Are there any yeah, Jamie people Fox. of color in this movie at all? Oh, no. When is... No, I was saying... I thought you were going to say, yeah. are there any other black people in any Quentin Tarantino movie? And I was going to say, yes, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> and the guy from um, Pulp Fiction. It's too white. Well, because the whole history of cinema is white. Right, exactly. And like that, it's an homage to the history of cinema, so it's obviously going to be very white. So if you're a white person... Like, and you don't think about that, then of course this movie is going to be very enjoyable for you. But there's, you know, no other representation. Um, but I guess that's all we should say about it. I, I just really liked this movie. I also I really liked this movie. Really and I, movie. I thought it was so fucking cool that they practically built Hollywood Boulevard in 1969. They did. Brick and Mortar built it. They did. That is so fucking no awesome. CGI. Yeah. So good. I mean, that's that's remarkable in this day and age. They also, um, sorry, they they shot on film as we mentioned before, and of course, no cell phones were allowed on set. Like, not even the executive producer, <gasps> not even no, yeah, the, the like head of production for Sony oh visited God. set. He's like the executive producer of the movie visited set, and they took his phone away. And he said in, a, in an interview, he was like, "Yeah, I was a little surprised that they asked to take my phone, but like, I I did it. I gave them my phone." And then he's like, and I'm glad I did because when I got on set, um, I got to see them say, Let, that was great, but let's do one more take just because we love making movies. Aww. So that's the kind of yeah. set that it was. I mean, yeah, and I, I feel like everybody was really thrilled to be a part of this movie. I feel like, I don't know, I just, I guess, Quentin Tarantino's movies are so fucking fucked up all the time that you'd assume that his set would be fucked up all the time, and then there was that whole Uma Thurman thing. Yeah. You know, where it's like, this one seemed, it seems like everybody in this movie has been very successful in making movies for very many years and are now like in their, t- <laughs> like, you know, they're like old dogs and they're like loving life and being nice. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And they're just thinking. It's a whole thing. That's what I mean. Everyone's like, Twink, living Tarantino out their fantasy. Tarantino is a can of worms. Uh, everyone's living out their fantasy. I think that, I don't know. I really liked it. And... I will watch it again. I want to see it again. I would love to watch this movie again. Um, so, uh, where has where has Leonardo DiCaprio been? That's a thing that I want to know. Because this is his first movie since The He's Revenant. He's been down since The Revenant. Which was yeah. almost five years ago. So, like, what the fuck has yeah, he been doing? Yeah, and I doing? loved watching him be humorous. Yeah, he's... You know, he was, like, funny. He's good, in, in tar- he's good with Tarantino he's- movies, like... Again, Tarantino's good at casting, so. Um, 
I also love that Tarantino in several interviews is like everybody's like so you must have had Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in mind he was like I never would have the he was like of course I had them in mind but I didn't have the actual audacity to think I could get the two biggest movie stars in my movie <laughs> he was like I'm actually so shocked yes, that I got did. Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio he's like I'm not an idiot like I understand no he's totally he's these such are the a two bullshitter because you know who he had I love it you know who his his backup option was for the other lead was fucking Tom Cruise. So Tom Cruise, kill me. So he knew Wait, what Tom he Cruise could do. Wait, Tom Cruise was supposed to be Brad Pitt, right? Yeah, Brad Pitt was supposed to play a detective who was investigating the murders, but that that part got cut. And he cut. didn't like that. Also, Brad Pitt. But I guess the point is, it's an homage to Hollywood, and Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise are. Hollywood movie stars. Right. You know? Who else? Who else? Besides, not even Matt Damon is up there with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Like, who else is there? Johnny Depp's not there. Leonardo DiCaprio's there. Yeah. Uh, no, Johnny Depp's kind of there. No, Johnny Depp ain't there. Johnny Depp fell off, fell off the boat when he was on the Pirates of the Caribbean boat. Yeah. The Black Pearl. He fell off the Black Pearl, never remember. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess he kind of did, huh? So, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really liked it. I really liked the um, chemistry. It was like the whole, all, the chemistry between everybody, even the bad guys, I liked. But I want to know, did you do any money research? I did. And I actually wanted to tell you some interesting things about how this got made because, um, so we were yeah, sort of talking eight. a little bit about potential casting. Jennifer Lawrence was also supposed to be in it. Um, she dropped out kind of early. See that. There was a bidding war between like every single studio to get I to saw do that. this, mm -hmm. and um, ultimately Sony won. Uh, but part of Tarantino's contract was that he demanded extraordinary creative control, ninety-five million dollar budget, and twenty-five percent of first dollar gross. Which that I had to look it up. I didn't know what that means, but it means mm. twenty-five percent of the first weekend sales. So, goes directly to Tarantino before Sony gets anything. Yes. Bad ass bitch, TT, and, mama. And he <laughs> said he wants full rights to the movie 15 years from now. So, Sony paid him $95 million, and in 15 years, he gets all the rights in every residual. Yeah. Yep. Genius. Also, side note, side, side, side note. First of all, I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's so... Isn't badass. that, the, like, the fucking best thing? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm fucking Quentin Tarantino. And he said in an interview, he was like, I have been making movies and, and like, been in demand for almost 30 years, and this is my penultimate movie. He said, I have one more movie in me. I already know what it is. This, and so this is the second to last movie I will ever make. He was like... And he's like... And the, the interviewer's like, oh, my God, how are you going to do that? He said, I've had a 30-year career. Like... Nobody can say they've had a 30-year career directing. Yeah. Scorsese? Uh, a few people can, but not many. Right? I mean, yeah. like, I just wonder what he's going to do. Because, like, movies are his thing. Just, like, nobody loves movies as much as he does. It's crazy. Well, Brad Pitt hinted that he's going to write a, a novel. And also, <sighs> I was re when reading about this, they said this was going to be a novel first, right? Uh, I didn't see that, but that would be interesting. Yeah, he was writing it as a novel and then realized it would be better as a movie. Hmm. 
Interesting. Which, like, nobody wants a novel from Tarantino. We all want movies from Tarantino. Yeah, absolutely. Also, to speak to his, to speak to his fame, though, too, and to his respect, even outside of all the bullshit, bullshit that he's involved in. Um, I saw it on its third week in the theaters, on a three p.m. matinee on a Sunday, and there was a line out the door. Yeah. Forty-five minutes before the thing started. Yeah, there was. That's crazy. Same for me. There was. I mean, granted, I was seeing it like um, again. You know, instead of an email on there, so um, it was kind of a fancy thing or whatever. It's a little exclusive. Um, but the line. <laughs> it's not exclusive. Uh, you can go online and buy tickets. It, it was sold out, <laughs> though. It, of course. I mean, when did you buy your ticket? When? I, well, I bought it the day of, but still, it uh, by the time I went there, it was sold out. No, I love the Cinerama Dome. I miss it. I miss LA. Well, this movie made me want to move back to Los Angeles. Yeah, this made me, this movie made me very happy to be in Los Angeles. Um, okay, so yeah. uh, numbers. We have the budget. Like I said, was ninety five million dollars. Although it's reported that they only spent ninety million of it, which I kind of doubt. But uh, whatever. Um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio were each paid $10 million, um, which is a discount for both That's of them. That's not that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Brad Pitt was making $7 million, like, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. So for both of them to do it for $10 million is uh, a steal. Um, I would love to be the producer on that phone call, please. I know. I know. Listen, Brad, I know you're worth more, but it's Tarantino. Come on, kid. Cut us a deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how it went. Almost word for word. How did you know? Um, yeah. they, well, I am a producer. The know. opening weekend, it made $41 million. But it opened at number two. And so he gets 25% of that? Yeah. He gets 25% of that. Yes, he sure does. Uh, what was number one? The Lion King opened at number one. Oh, it's a circle of life, and it moves us all. Good lord, the Lion King. I didn't see it. The Lion King made seventy-six million dollars on its I'm not second surprised. week. Um, I was actually very. It's an interesting thing about the Lion King because I was actually kind of excited to see it, and I listened to the soundtrack, and I cried in a cab on the way to work, and then <laughs> I was thinking about it more and more, and I was like, "This is such fucking bullshit. This is like the movie business at its peak. Let's get Beyonce to play Nala." And destroy my childhood memories. And fuck this. Lion King was perfect. And don't. They just remade it to make money. And now they're going to just capitalize and capitalize and capitalize. Wow. This anyway, is back to Once Upon a Time. So <laughs> crazy. I'm just looking. Now I'm looking at the numbers for Lion King really quick. Just because it's like absolutely <laughs> fascinating. So far, its domestic total is $431 million. And. Its foreign total is $798 million. Its worldwide total gross so far, it's only on its like fifth week. So far, it's made $1.2 billion. Fucking Jesus Good Christ. Good God. Yeah. That makes me feel so uncomfortable in my heart and Something soul. about that Can is we, unsettling. How much of that is going to charity, right? That, none of that, that money is going to, into people's pockets. Yeah. And it's not going to the like fucking editor down the line it's not going to like some cg artist it's going to like i don't know no, doesn't no, matter no, no, no. let's reel it, reel it in. in pull it back pull let's it back, reel her back We're spiraling. In. <laughs> okay um <laughs> let's say so so quentin makes nine he, he makes, makes 41 million dollars on makes his 20, opening, opening weekend wait he gets 
but that's the 20 he got he himself makes 25% of the 41 million dollars. Right. So he he makes about like 12 million dollars or something like that. And he gets paid out of the 95 million that he was given. He paid his own yeah, I'm sure he paid his own wage on the budget for the movie. Um, to get a cut out of this. Okay. And then he also gets residuals and he's going to get I mean, forever he's going to get money for this movie. Um, and like what? A, and for all his other movies. And for all of his other I mean, he's fine. Financially, don't worry about Quentin Tarantino. I think he's going to be fine. <laughs> poor, poor, poor Quentin, Leo, Brad. What are they going to do, do with their, their $10 million, Their measly $10 million. Um, yeah. This, it's on its second weekend, which is all that we have data for. It made $20 million. Um, so. Wow, that's a pretty steep drop. Yeah, it hasn't really made its money back yet. It's it's currently at eighty million, about. Um, but wasn't this the biggest opening he's ever had? I think it I was. Heard that this was the biggest opening he's ever. Yes, had. it was. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's doing well. Like it's going to make a lot of money. Uh, yeah. So you know, there's no really no <laughs> don't don't worry, it's going to be fine. Um, I'm freaking the fuck out. <laughs> So, yeah, that's pretty much it for the numbers because it's still early on. But so far, it's grossed $80 million. They're going to be fine. They're doing great. The movie's performing a little bit better than they thought it would. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing More great. More power to them. Um, how about the reviews? Tell us about the reviews. So, it's been generally pretty well received. I haven't read a bad review. Um, full disclosure, I haven't really gotten... I haven't been able to go deep into the re- to the reviews like I normally do just because I watch this on a Sunday and we're recording on a Monday. But we did do our old tried and true, which is the Entertainment Weekly. Um, gave it an A-. Really, really loved it. Um, thought it was charming. IMDb gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 85%. Metacritic also 85%. Google viewers, 65%. Oh, you believe? I wonder what that's about. I think it's because people I feel are like... mad at Quentin Tarantino and cause it's, because it's not like a crazy like smash banger shoot 'em up movie. You know what I mean? It's like a... Oh, yeah. It's just like a dazzling... It's a stew, honestly. Yeah, it's a, it's a real sitter. It's a, it's a stew. I feel like you just eat it bite by bite. There's little different kinds of morsels. Sometimes in you it. gotta flavor, you gotta like savor the flavor a little bit. Yeah, it's a stew. It's not gonna happen it's fast. A stew. Um, okay, well, what about your ratings? Let's do our ratings now. One more, one more last thing. Oh. Um, this is the first movie we've ever done that doesn't have Roger Ebert alive. <laughs> we were gonna get there eventually, but I need to call it out. Oh, okay. Usually we you, we do a Roger Ebert review. And he was alive when this movie was supposed to have taken place. So rest in peace, I Roger what... Ebert. I never liked your reviews. <laughs> I wonder what. <laughs> That's so funny to me for some reason. I wonder what he would have thought of this movie. <laughs> I don't think he would have liked it because he always felt the opposite that I did. Huh. Okay. Remember he fucking loved A River Runs Through It. No, what was the movie that he loved that was my least favorite Brad Pitt movie of all Wasn't time? Wasn't it like Meet Joe Black just, or like, something? Couldn't get enough of. Yeah, <laughs> it was psycho how much he loved it. It was as if he was like masturbating onto it. Anyway, okay, so reviews. Should we do a Mary Fuck Kill real quick? Because this is like oh, yeah. high quality Let's do it. fucking and killing. Uh, Mary Fuck Kill. So obviously. Yeah, go on. 
Well, obviously, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. But who's the third? Who's a contender for them? Um, the guy, um, 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 the guy from Into the Wild, you know. No, the guy who played Tex. Emil Hirsch. Yeah. Oh, the guy who played Tex was kind of he hot. He was kind of actually. hot. Yeah. No, wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Emil Hirsch. He plays um, the guy who's not Polanski. Oh, 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 oh. Right, right, right. Uh, Jay, whatever. Also, the guy from Killing Them Softly is in this movie, too. Scooter. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, I don't know if he's a good one, though. I don't know if he's really, like... All that good. There's Al Pacino. I mean, obviously we say we're going to marry and fuck Why don't Brad we say Sharon, Sharon Tate? Oh, let's throw a little bisexuality into the mix. I'm sliding right off my seat just thinking about All it. All right. So Sharon Tate, all played by Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio. You go. I think I marry Leonardo DiCaprio. No, marry Brad Pitt. <laughs> He's going to kill you. Fuck Sharon Tate. Honestly, I want to have sex with Margot Robbie. She's the hottest thing that's ever happened yeah, to the planet. she is. She's very attractive. And I kill Leonardo DiCaprio. I think that's the right answer because I, Leonardo DiCaprio has gotten an alcoholic's face. It's like round and red <laughs> Don't say that. Flat. He's listening. He's listening. Shh, I'm sorry, sweet boy, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> He's listening. I know he okay. is. <laughs> Leo, look. I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean, though. Maybe it's not alcoholic's face. He's getting a big head, tiny face. He's getting a big head, tiny face. Yeah, it might just be that he's just, that's just what his face looks like as he gets older. And you know what? That's fine. But like. And he lost a lot of weight. You know what? How come, remember how you just said you would kill him instead of, so, you know, don't get mad at me because I said he has an alcoholic's face. You just said you'd kill him. No, I'm not getting mad at you. I, I 100% agree with you. I'm just really worried that he's listening to us and I don't want to insult Well, if he's him. listening, you just insulted him by saying you'd kill him. So that might. I don't know if you're totally safe there. Okay, well, uh, for me, also, I think that's the also, same Also, he's answer. problematic, too. He's problematic, too. Everyone's problematic, okay? I think we should just say everyone's problematic. He, he dates five-year-olds consistently. The age of women he's dated has not changed since he was their age. I know. I saw a tweet. Like, that's not okay. I saw a tweet that was like, where are Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio's girlfriends now? Still on their parents' insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too. It's not funny. These things should be taken seriously. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. What is, who is your, wait. It's the same answer. That's the only answer. I'm ready to do ratings. I think, I think okay. that was like the only Mary Fuck Kill that we could do. Unless you well, want to do. Like the wild child. There's I was just going to say we could do. hot ass chick. Uh, okay. So Go, you start. The, of the murderers, we could say. Yeah. Uh, Lena Dunham's character. The girl that, sh- that Brad Pitt uh-huh. picked up and the fiery redhead who was in the chair that loves watching FBI. So the girl that Brad Pitt picked up is so beautiful. She's really pretty, but she's 16 and we have to pretend that she actually is. Oh, well, then we have to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could... Otherwise, we got to No, you could marry her um, in one of those weird states where that's the thing and then just like be... Do like a Tyrion Lannister or a yeah Tyrion Lannister thing where you don't like, you're not creepy about it. You don't have sex with her. Consummate. You don't. Consummate. You don't consummate. Yeah. You just like you're like okay, so we're married. You're gonna be a weird sixteen year old wild child, and like we're not. We're just gonna be like homies until you're old enough, and then like we'll see what happens. But like you know, 
let's not get weird about it because you don't want to have to kill her. Like you, the one who you truly want to kill is Lena Dunham. I think I want to marry Lena Dunham. Mm-mm. No, she's kind of scary. I don't want to fuck her, but I do want to marry her because I. Oh wait. Feel like she gives good hugs. I know for a fact she gives good hugs. Well, then, so then, <laughs> if you want to marry Lena Dunham, then you have to kill the the sixteen year old. No, I fuck the sixteen year old. <laughs> because if I'm killing, I'll tell you why. Because the whole basis of this is that if you're killing, you're going to jail. So like, I the rules of the road don't but apply. But is really jail? You know, is, if I'm killing. So what you're saying is jail's the only thing that's keeping you from fucking sixteen year olds. No, I personally am not attracted to sixteen year olds. But although my boyfriend's younger than me, he's the first youngest guy. Is he sixteen? No, he's thirty. No, he's seventeen. Which feels like robbing the cradle. It's like my brother's age. Anyway, I would marry Lena Dunham. She's warm and gushy, and I want to cuddle with her, and I want to talk about movies with her. I will fuck that hot chick because she's hot chick. Yeah, she I has like those how, blue eyes and those red lips. We haven't even mentioned it yet, but like that's that was like obvious, like. Yeah, she's the one who's going to... We're going to have sex with her because she's going to be... I feel like she's just going to be the hottest wild thing. and crazy. Yeah, and hot. She's, like, really attractive, oh, too. Oh, she's... She going to wild out. And Lena Dunham will, like, make you a nice breakfast in bed, you know? That's true. Marrying and then you kill the redheaded be bitch awful. because she's fucking that old guy, which is gross. Oh. I didn't like the redheaded chick. I was going to, I was talking about the redheaded chick. I was going to fuck the redheaded chick, kill the 16-year-old, marry Lena Dunham. Oh. That might actually not be the worst. Well, Lena Dunham, it just, it's like she's just, I feel like if I married her, I would like kill her a la Brad Pitt. <laughs> the way he killed <laughs> <laughs> What you're saying is you find her to be annoying to you. I do, yeah. I find her very annoying. Um, I like her. I went to college with her. Uh, and what I like yeah. about Lena Dunham is that she is authentically Lena Dunham. Just like Tarantino is authentically Tarantino. Okay. And I appreciate that in a person. Anyway. That's it for Mary Fuck Kill. La da 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 da. I'm loving it. Okay. So for me, Brad Pitt's looks, I'm giving him a 10. This is a 10 movie for Brad. He looks thoroughly good. He's always dressed to the nines. 10. I mean, this is a 10 for me. Well, that's what I'm saying. He isn't dressed to the nines, but he pulls it off like he's dressed to the nines. And so I also, <gasps> I'm going to give him <laughs> a 10. I'm also giving his, his performance a 10 because it's exactly what Brad Pitt should be doing. It's exactly what he should be doing. Right in the pocket. Oh, wow. That's, that's quad tens. That's right four there. tens. Yeah. Tens, tens, tens across the board. Honestly, his performance was so good. That little, you know, Brad, we talk about this all the time, that little tiny smile that's not really a smile, but it's just, just a little, little fucking little, smirk. Just raised just a little bit. Uh, and it's in his and eyes. He's flirting with that. Yeah. It's his, his eyes uh. smile. And then it just makes you happy. It's like his character says, like, look, I know that I'm very attractive, but like, it's not even like the fourth most interesting thing about me. And yes, exactly. It's just so he good. He plays that character so fucking well. Um, the movie overall. Oh, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. An eight and a half. Do you want to expound on that? It was too long. It was too white. Um, but it was yeah. thoroughly enjoyable. I, I had a, I really loved it. I loved it. So it still gets a high rating, but it loses some points because the, the, it's too long and too white. I think I'm going to give it 
See, I want to rate it high, but I think you're right. It is definitely too white, and I really didn't like the, like, ch I understand what he was going for in the Playboy scene, but... Oh, yeah. It was a moment that took me out of the movie where I was like, what am I watching right now? Um, yeah. But I want to give it higher than eight and a half because of the way I feel thinking about it and talking about it and the experience of watching it, so I'm going to give it a nine. I think, I think that is not an mm. unreasonable score. I think that is... And, and you know, Bob's your uncle. What? Bob's your uncle. Who? I mean, it's like, and that's, the, them's the facts. And that's that. Oh, yeah. Did you Capiche? just hear that from uh, Idris Elba on Hot Ones? No, but people say Bob's your uncle. I've never heard that. And then Idris Elba said it on this show on YouTube. And, and uh, mm. I was like... I love Hot Ones. I love Hot Ones. And I love Idris Elba. So, bing, bop, boom. Also, Brad Pitt needs to be on that show. Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. He... Oh, my gosh. You know what we need to watch is him on Between Two Ferns. Oh, it's yeah. That's, it's, I think that it actually was in, like, 2011. Iconic. Yeah, we're just about to get there. So, that's exciting. Great. Anyway, that is it for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a thoroughly pleasurable film. Yes. Um, tune in next week for 12 Years a Slave, which is not a thoroughly pleasurable film. No, it's a very good film. I have seen Have you seen it before? I've seen it. It's not easy to watch. No, it's a hard watch, but not I remember it being very good. Like, I was like, holy shit, this movie's amazing, but it's just like, uh, it's draining. It's draining. I remember it being very gratuitous in a way I didn't like. Oh, okay. But that the movie itself is good. Anyway, we'll get... We'll see. I don't remember. I'm going to watch it I right don't now. really remember either, so we will find out how we truly feel. Okay. I'm going to start it now, because if I know myself, I'll be asleep in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. All right. Love that. So, that's um, it. Tune in next week, folks. Bye. Love you. Bye. Ya.